going on, good people? Welcome to Life School. I'm Reverend Kojo. I am your host. We've got a lot to talk about today. Look, Life School is not about getting your panties in a bunch. It's about talking about the hard-hitting topics that you're going through today. If you're struggling, I want to talk about it. If you're hurting, I want to talk about it. If you're just flat-up confused, let's talk about it too. Why? Because this is Life School. So I'm so glad you decided to join me. I'm Reverend Kojo. Uh, y'all, we, we're going to talk about, <laughs> we're going to talk about this idea that I had. Um, and, and, and I'm going to give you the backstory. The only reason I came across it is my dad's a fireman. And he's been a fireman since two weeks before I was born. And so most of my life I've been around firemen and, and things like that. I've probably been on the firehouse tour probably a hundred times. Uh, I'm just as familiar with the fire department as I am with my parents' house. And, and there are elements to any any fire department and depending on where your fire department is is going to be contingent on how up to up to par it is well it just so happens my dad is a fireman at one of the most one of the wealthiest cities in the state of Alabama um, and so they have a lot of toys well there is this one tool that's on the on the fire truck called the jaws of life and the jaws of life is like a huge set of pliers or something and what they're designed to do is if somebody's in a terrible accident and they can't get you out, it literally bends back the bent metal that hands can't fix and that, that saws can't get out. And it literally rips it apart so that it can free you from this situation that you're caught up in. And so today I want to talk about not necessarily the jaws of life that are right on the fire truck, but I want to talk about being the jaws of life for somebody. Uh, and, and allowing God to be your jaws of life, um, in, in, in both, both portions of your life. Why? Because there is going to come a time when you're going to encounter somebody, you're going to cross paths with somebody and they're going to be in a bad portion of their life and they're going to need someone. And see, we have been trained to be selfish. We've been trained that, oh, I don't have time to deal with that. All this emotional mess. Uh, uh-uh, she's just too melancholy, melancholy for me. I can't deal. And so we run away from these people and, and we, we, we don't want to deal with them because they're going through some things and, but they really, really desperately need, need us. And we have something that God has put in us, uh, that we can help them or we haven't gone through something and in going through something, he's given us the tools to be able to nurture them back to health. And so what he's given us are the tools or he's given us the ability to be the jaws of life for somebody. But because we often are too arrogant or we're too stuck up in self, we miss the reality or the opportunity to be that for somebody. And, and I've been in the situation on both ends where I have been gladly uh, pulled people out of their pits. But I have also been in the situation where I'm like, mm-hmm, I'm not dealing with that before I'd have been down that road. And, and because if you're going to be the jaws of life for somebody, you, you're, all, you're committing to a lot. You're committing to deal with uh, uh, mood swings and, 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 and outbursts and frustration and uh, chaos and, and depression. And you're, you're committing to stand in their face and say, baby, you're beautiful when they look like hell. You're, you're committing to looking at them and saying, you're going to be a more than a conqueror when the situation just looks bleak. You're going to be committing to when they are talking about forget God and forget all these things to quote the scriptures and to remind them how much God loves them and to remind them how much power this word has. 
And so we, we go on and we go on and, and we have to make a conscious decision. We have to make a conscious decision to do these things for people. But there are some people that you will come across and they will be in the worst season of their lives. And you have the power to be their jaws of life and to nurture them from pit to peak. But from pit to peak, you're going to have to go through some things with them and put some, put some, uh, put, pick them up, put them on your back and carry them for a little while because at some point they're going to be struggling. I got hurt one time, which, you know, that's not uncommon. I got hurt a lot as a child, but I got hurt one time and my little sister was maybe six or seven years old, which meant I was like, um, 11 or 12 and I was hurting and I couldn't hardly move. And my little sister came and picked me up and carried me in the house. Now that didn't make sense because I weighed a lot more than her and I was a lot stronger than her and she's always been kind of weak. And so, but the idea that she picked me up and carried me in the house, Erin knew in that moment that she was indeed my keeper. And because she was my keeper, she saw that I had an issue that I had no power over. I had no control over and that in that moment I couldn't fix it. But she knew that she loved me enough that she picked me up and she took me to somebody who could fix it. She took us to, to my mom. And in t- t- carrying me on her back, probably risking her back <laughs> and her body, she picked me up and she carried me across the yard. And we didn't have a small yard. Carried me across the yard into the house uh, so that my mom could come see about me. Now, in that moment, I know that we were children, but in that moment, she was my jaws of life. I've also been in the situation where people have come across my path and they have been suicidal. And I'm not just talking about suicidal for a day, but suicidal for a period. Been suicidal and, and nobody wanted to talk to him because they were just such a, da- a buzzkill. But, but in some seasons, I'd talk to him. In some seasons, I'd minister to him. In some seasons, I would help. Why would I help? I would help because they needed somebody. They needed some help. They needed somebody to push them to hold them, to, to show them the light, to show them that there is hope that life does not have to suck all the time and that God has not indeed forgotten. See, sometimes we are the only Bible that anybody will ever see. Sometimes we are the all, we're the only, we're the only glimmer of hope that people will see. They grew up in, in, in these dismal situations. They live in dismal uh, situations. And when they go to work, people treat them like garbage. They get in traffic and people flip them off. When they get home, their neighbors are rude to them and their children don't mind. And so it seems like at every front, they're all wrong. They go to church and people staring at them. Why did they hear who, who, who let them in? Where did they come from? Who are their people? And then when they go to the grocery store, they catch problems with, with people in the grocery store. And so it seems like everywhere that they turn, hell is following them. And all they need is a kind face to say, you are worth it. You, you're worth it. You look nice today. And so sometimes being somebody's jaws of life is that, but sometimes being somebody's jaws of life is seeing that they are in a bad head space and in a bad body space and picking them up and carrying them. I got, I got another friend. And she was telling me about this friend she grew up with in church and how he had such a promising future ahead of him. And then one day he got mixed up with the wrong crowd and he got shot. And when he got shot, he got shot in the leg and couldn't walk. So then he couldn't walk or go to work. He couldn't go to work. He couldn't, so he couldn't drive. He could, all he could do is stand in the house and he couldn't even maneuver through the house like he wanted to. And he felt like he was not anybody. 
He didn't feel strong. He didn't feel like a man. He didn't feel like anything. And so it, it seemed as though he was walking into depression. When she asked him about it, she said, well, well, are you, do you, are you depressed? And, and I'm sure she said it a little more, more tactful than that. She, when she asked him, then he became offended, but how dare you assume I'm depressed? Now you're showing all the signs, <laughs> but how dare you ask me, or am I depressed? I'm just going through hard times. And it here, here's, 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 this is for free. All of us get depressed sometimes. This idea that no, we no, we don't get depressed because we're saved is a lie. Yes, the joy of the Lord is our strength, and we have to pull on that when we find ourselves in dark situations. But that does not negate the fact that dark situations present themselves. It does not negate the fact that we don't get disappointed. It does not negate the fact that we are not embarrassed. It does not negate the fact that we are not adequate on certain days. It does not negate the fact that things just get rough sometimes. And 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 often we just need somebody to look at us and say it's okay. We need somebody that'll just hug us and then ask us a whole bunch of questions. Sometimes you just need somebody who is going to be there and who is just rooting for you, who wants to see you succeed, who, who is hungry and is excited about you moving like never before. Will you be somebody's jaws of life? Will you? You know, you remember in, in scripture, Cain and Abel, they were brothers they were Adam and Eve's sons. And Cain and Abel decided both of them were going to give an offering to the Lord. This was before tithes. It wasn't a mandate. But they decided they were going to give an offering to the Lord. And Abel gave a more acceptable uh, offering to God. Now, Abel was a farmer. He tilled the ground. He was a planter. But uh, Abel was a shepherd. Cain was a shepherd. He dealt with animals. And <laughs> there are some things that were not working between them. But when, when, when Cain killed Abel because of jealousy, what God asked of him, he said, where's your brother? And Cain had the audacity to say, am I my brother's keeper? The answer is yes, you are your brother's keeper. And that's not just biologically. Yes, it is biologically. Yes, you are responsible for your biological brothers and sisters. Yes, you are responsible for your nuclear brothers and sisters. Yes, you are responsible for those that, that you share the bloodline and the last name with. But you're also responsible for that person that you see at Starbucks every day, and they look like they're on edge. You're also responsible for that person on the pew at church that nobody seems to want to speak to because they don't look the part, because they don't dress as nice as everybody else. You're also responsible for that lady in, in, in the grocery store who seems to always drop her bags when you walk by. And you hope that she don't see you while you walk by because you just...